We're in our final installment of the series, Ask It. The question that is the number one question, if you learn to ask this before you make decisions, it can affect 99% of the decisions that you make. We'll be talking about that this morning as we finalize, put a bookend on that series. But you also saw that we are starting all in on February 5th, Super Bowl Sunday next week. Hey, wear your jerseys of your favorite team from Lufkin to Hudson to Central to Cowboys to Steelers. No, don't do that. Um, whatever. But, but wear, wear your favorite jersey. We're going to have fun. We're going to have a little bit of a kind of a tailgate out in the out in the parking lot. We're just going to have fun on Super Bowl Sunday. But we're also launching all in a five-week sermon series and five-week discipleship journey that listen very close. It is mission critical for the next decade of ministry at this church. We are going to be talking about learn we're going to be talking about how to give everything back over to God, our trust, our faith, surrender, our honor, um, our legacy. Uh, we, we, I'm inviting you into uh, the depths of what it's going to take for us to go all in, to go all out for his kingdom over the next decade. So make sure you clear your calendar on Sundays from February 5th, 12th, 19th, 26th, March 5th. We are going to be having the all-in experience. In order to prepare for that, it's important that we get our hearts right, not just our, our calendar right. And so we have been having on January 11th, 18th, and 25th, those three Wednesdays, we did a, a deeper series uh, called All-In Pregame, and we talked about reading the Bible uh, or trusting the Bible, prayer, and fasting. And those that were attending the, uh, those three weeks, we invited them into a fast uh, together with the pastoral staff. And want to invite you too, if you would like to fast with us. Fasting disconnects us to the world and connects us with God. It, it, it's a beautiful process of just surrendering to Him. And we're going to be fasting Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And those fasts look like this. On Monday, we're inviting everybody to follow a fast of just fasting juice and liquids. That, that's what you would have the entire day, okay? Then on the next day, starting on Tuesday, you can add to the juice and liquids, uh, fruits and vegetables, kind of a progressive fast. And then on Wednesday, uh, instead of doing food, although if ice cream is a distraction, I guess you can give up ice cream, but we're talking about stuff that can just be so distracting. For example, Facebook, social media, your phone, what would it be like if you silenced your phone and, and only used it for an absolute emergency? Um, anything that's a distraction in your life, because we want to go all in and it means we have to have our hearts prepared. And so I invite you as, as, my, as my friend and as our church body, would you follow your pastor and follow your team, follow the leadership of the church, and join us in this progressive fast Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all right? You can like us on Facebook at Timber Creek Church, uh, to, and we will remind you today and then all through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday what you uh, are giving up corporately together. But then we take that, and when we're wanting to get on Facebook, we're taking a moment and remembering. We're just remembering, wow. God, you've called us to pray. You've called us. We want to go all in. What does that look like in my life? I surrender to you. I'm inviting you to do that. Sounds good? All right. That was, a, I'll give that a three out of a hundred. Sounds good? All right. Well, whatever. Here we go. Ask it week four. We have been talking about the number one question to ask. Everybody say it out loud with me. What is the wise thing to do? We live in a culture that's full of choices. Choices, choices, choices. And there are choices between good and bad, and then there are choices that are between good and good. And you have to know the difference of what choice to make. Wisdom makes the difference. There are three words that are kind of intermingled throughout the book of Proverbs that are key in understanding what wisdom really is. They are knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. You can have knowledge and not have wisdom. And you can have understanding, but not have wisdom. But you can't have wisdom without having knowledge and understanding. So let's write these down on your study notes. Knowledge is, here's what knowledge means, facts and information. So this is another reason why you can have all the knowledge in the world about God. You can have gone to church and learned every single thing there is to know about the book of Acts. And you can still be a foolish person. Because having the knowledge don't mean anything unless it's applied in the right way. Understanding is the ability to embrace the knowledge. So, for example, I can have a calculus book in front of me. I've got the knowledge at my fingertips. But I have not had very good ability to embrace that knowledge. 
Don't ask me, you know, Y equals MX plus what? I don't know. I don't know. And even though I've got the book, I still, I, I just didn't quite get the understanding on that level of mathematics. But then wisdom is this. It's applying knowledge and understanding in the right way at the right time. Applying it at the right way at the right time. Have you heard this statement? Uh, he who hesitates is lost. Anybody ever heard that? It's pretty popular. Have you also heard the statement, haste makes waste? Well, these are two popular phrases. Haste makes waste. You hurry up. You're going, you're going to waste stuff if you don't take your time. And, but then he who hesitates is lost. So when you have a situation, a financial decision to make, one part of your brain might say, if I'm hasteful in this, if I jump in, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to waste part of my life by making that decision. Whereas the other side of your brain might say, oh, if I hesitate, I'm going to miss the opportunity. You know, the opportunity of the lifetime only lasts within the lifetime of the opportunity, that old saying is. And so which one do I choose? Haste makes waste or he who hesitates is lost. Wisdom takes the knowledge and understanding and helps you apply the right thing at the right time in the right method. That's what, I, that's what I want for you, but more, way, 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 way more important than your pastor. It's what God wants for you. Parents, how much you, how much you want your kids to make wise decisions? Am I right? I mean, one of the biggest things, like choosing their spouse. Oh, Jesus, help us. And some of you adults, like, man, I wish I would have had wisdom. <sighs> want to make wise decisions. You'll live with less tears and fewer regrets when you, when you really engage applying the knowledge and understanding the right way at the right time. And we've learned at the beginning of all that is humbling ourselves before the Lord, fearing the Lord with this positive fear, not a fear of afraid he might slap you across the face with a belt, a fear of, I don't want to do anything without listening to him first, without honoring him. I would never want to do anything that would dishonor God in my life. That's the beginning of wisdom. Today, as we conclude, we're going to jump into Proverbs chapter 30. And all of the Proverbs were written by several popular people in the Bible. Then there were also people you may never have heard of. And Proverbs 30 is probably one of those guys. It was written by Agur, son of Jacob. Anybody named Agur in the house? I want to meet you afterwards if you are and ask about your mom. That is funny. Agur, son of Jacob, is, the, is a king's aide. He's wise counsel. And he writes Proverbs 30. And he writes it for young adults and students that are learning. And he does it in a way that is rhythmic with poetry and riddles and prose. You don't really see it in the English. Uh, but when you look at the original manuscript and when you see it in the original language, you can see it was written in a way that, that uh, young people could memorize it. You guys remember some of you students, I see students down here in front. You guys remember like back in way, way, way grade school when they taught us songs to learn certain things? Like my son's come home over the last couple years, uh, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, da 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 Anyway, uh, or January, February, March, and April, May, June, July, and August. September, October, November, December, 12 months in a year. My OCD kicks in and I can't stop halfway. I'm sorry, you know. I was on a trip with, uh, or I was uh, driving down 59 past Ralph and Kakus and, and heading towards the mall. And, and uh, there was a, a, a police uh, SUV on the side of the road. And uh, I was simultaneously leaning over to grab something that had fallen like underneath my foot. And I, and I swerved the car just a little bit. My daughter was in the, in the car and she goes, Dad, they're going to stop you thinking you're, you know, drunk driving or something. And I said, well, I hope, I hope they don't. And, and she said, hey, by the way, if they do stop you, how do they know if you're, how do they know if somebody's drunk or not? Or they were, you weren't just looking for something in your, you know, in the floorboard. I said, well, you know, I've never had that privilege uh, of being stopped for drunk driving. So I'm not really for sure what they do, but I've seen a lot of episodes of cops. And, and, and so I, I said, I assume that, you know, episodes of cops, it must be right. And I said, so, you know, they might have them ask them some questions or have them get out of the car and walk a line or touch their nose or, or say the ABCs backwards or something. And, and my daughter, um, she said, say the ABCs backwards. I can't even do that, and I haven't had a drink, you know. And uh, I said, good, because you're, you know, 11. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and she said, um, maybe we ought to learn the ABCs backwards in case we're ever in a tough situation. <laughs> the wisdom of children 
And me being obviously, you know, a good dad, I said, okay. And so uh, that day, <laughs> we learned the ABCs backwards. Uh, ZYX, WVUT, SRQP, ONMLK, JIH, EFG, DNC and BNA. There we are, yeah. If you didn't hear, my daughter was singing it for me and uh, uh, we just learned that so you're set. <laughs> you're all set just in case, no. We don't even wanna be in that situation. That's not the wise thing to do. Don't prepare, you know. I'm, I've always been practicing to walk in a straight line just in case. <laughs> That's stupid. That's foolishness. Don't do that. And so we see this rhythmic prose to learn something put really to music. In fact, you know Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible, and you wouldn't know it just looking from the English version. But when you see it written in Hebrew, you understand that every single one of the stanzas within Psalm 119 goes after the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet. So it starts with A and goes all the way down on the Hebrew alphabet. You wouldn't know that unless you did a little bit of research and understood how it works. So when we look at Proverbs 30, we see verse 15, it sounds interesting. Why did they say it like this? Well, it's because he's doing it in a rhythmic way where people can understand and memorize. There are three things that are never satisfied, four that never say enough. Verse 18, there are three things that are too amazing for me, four that I do not understand. Verse 21, under three things the earth trembles, under four it cannot bear up. And can you see these kids around in the, in the Jewish library all saying it out loud? Under three things the earth trembles, under four it cannot bear up. We see that. Well, this is where we get our scripture for this morning as you search down and you go into the, the verse 24, we read something powerful about wisdom. And this is how we're going to conclude this series. Verse 24, there are four things which are little on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. You know, I want people to remember me as someone who is exceedingly wise. And I'm not near close but I know that it's not gonna be grand things. It's actually probably gonna be little bitty things that create exceeding wisdom in your life. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a feeble folk. They're feeble, they're small, they're tiny, they're not very powerful, yet they make their homes in the crags. Huh, what does that mean? Verse 27, the locusts have no king. There's no authoritarian uh, top-down leadership, yet they all advance in ranks. The spider skillfully grasps with its hands and it is in king's palaces. Four really small things that are exceedingly wise. When you go to the New Testament, to the book of Romans, Paul says it like this. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen. Where is God? I can't see God. His divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. You don't have to even look into the heavens to see God at work. You look all around you to the big things and the small things and you can learn a life of wisdom. Pray with me, Father, over the next few moments we have, may we gain a heart of wisdom. It starts with fearing you in a positive way, a respect, a reverence, a deep admiration and humility and, and service to you. May we learn how to be exceedingly wise not in our own eyes, that's foolishness. But may you look from where you are and may you say that as we surrender to your word today. May we leave this place changed and in a process of becoming more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So how to be exceedingly wise. Let's talk about that this morning.
You know, when, when Paul says through the creation of the world, it's been clearly seen. I, I, I think of the majesty of God. I think of trips we took when we were 11 years old to the Grand Canyon and seeing for miles just the, the massive chasm in the, in the ground. And, and you look at it and you say, ah, how could this happen on accident? This has to be God. I, I think of the, the sheer noise and the power of the water flowing at Niagara Falls. And I, and I, I think of, wow, what a what a what a, a a sign of who God is. I think of these large areas. You look up into the sky and you get into the Hubble telescope and you see galaxies and you you look at the stars in the heavens. I mean, just look at the tapestry of God's handiwork and you see this and you say, wow, how can you look at this and say all of this is by accident? You just, you see the divine nature and characteristics of God at work when you see these things. I don't think of small stuff when I think of God. I think of big stuff, don't you? I mean, when I think of, when I think of uh, the, the, the God and creation, I don't see think of an ant. You know what I think of? I think of the Africa Big Five. That's what I think of. I went to Malawi this last uh, August and spoke uh, about seven or eight different times to a, to a large group of pastors. And then on the end of the trip, we got to fly down to South Africa and we went to the uh, Kruger National Park. And there in, in this open-aired uh, uh, vehicle, we got to see uh, the, the big five. We saw before noon all five of the Africa Five. Um, we pulled up and there was a woman there from uh, Johannesburg and uh, she said, I've been coming 20 some years and I've yet to see all five. I still had, and we said, oh, we, we saw all five like we've been coming since breakfast. <laughs> she was not happy. She's not happy. But when you think of the Africa Five, you think of the mighty African lion. You, 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 you eight, 100, uh, pardon me, 500 pounds, nine feet long. Uh, the, you, you, they, they look like they're in charge, everybody. They, they get the king of the jungle name for a reason. I mean, they just, they look so strong. When you, when you get a group of lion together, you call them the pride. I mean, it's just, there's just pride when you look at the lion. They're powerful, powerful animals. The rhinoceros, another one of the big five. Rhinos weigh, you know, not very intimidated by anything. They weigh 3.2 metric tons, like the size of a suburban out there in the parking lot. Rhinoceroses are so, rhinoceroses are so powerful. Rhinos are so powerful. Uh, you, you don't want to get in their way. You don't call them a pride of rhino. You know what you call a group of rhino? A crash a crash of rhino. That's what you call it. That's the actual term. When there's a group of them, they're a crash because they're just going to crash. Some of you are going to start calling your kids my crash of kids because they show up as like. <laughs> Do you know that rhinos are born uh, hairy, hairy, hairy? Could look completely different. They're completely hairy, but their skin is so tough that they lose all their hair because of the sheer toughness of their skin. I told Janet, that's what's happening. That's what's happening up here. My forehead is getting so tough. Oh, it's getting strong up there. The leopard, not as big as the lion. Instead of nine foot, it's eight foot from the tip of the tail to the tip of the teeth. Weighs 250 pounds. Can run 37 miles an hour. Hey, don't try and outrun a leopard, everybody. Don't do it. You're going to be lunch. You're a lunchable. He's like, oh, lunchable. You're going to be a snack. You can't climb a tree faster than a leopard. A leopard can climb its own body weight with one hand in its fingertips. 250 pounds can pull itself up with one arm, with one hand, with just its claws. Powerful animal. When I think of the majesty and strength of God, I think of these big five. I think of the, the Cape Buffalo. And do you know that it's not, it's not lions or leopards or rhinos that cause the most deaths out of the big five, but it's actually Cape Buffalo that take more lives than any other of the big five. Why? I guess it's because you just think they look like a cow. It's like grandpa had cows on the farm. You're like, oh, it's a, it's a buffalo. No, that buffalo will kill you. They're powerful beasts, massive in size. 
And then we've got obviously one of the most popular of the five, the African elephant, who is so massive. When elephants walk together, they can trample an entire forest. They make new, they change the landscape of the horizon by their movements. They, they in, 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 in wet weather, they can sink so deep with their massive paws into the ground and water will fill those and animals will survive on the water collected in the footprint of an elephant for days. Wow, when I think of God, I think of the speed of the leopard, he'll get to you faster than you can even ask. He can climb anything on your behalf. I think of the lion, there's power in his, in his roar. I think, I, I, I think of the, the, the rhino, just strength. You, you, nothing intimidates God. But he says, look, look, yes, those things are big, but I want you to go beyond the elephant. I want you to go down beyond the rhino. I want you to, to get, get away from the Cape Buffalo and the lion and the leopard and even below the leopard, the hyena. What about the hyena? No, below the hyena into the bobcat, uh, bobcat to, to the, the flying squirrel or to the little chimpanzee. I want you to get further down. I want you to keep going beyond the little chimpanzee to the squirrel. I want you to get beyond the squirrel into the bird. I want you to get beyond the bird down into the lizard. I want you to get down from the lizard in, in, beyond that all the way down into the blades of grass and in, it's in that small thing that you actually step on that you can find unbelievable wisdom. So let's consider the ant for a moment. The ant is tiny. Do not underestimate the, the little mound of dirt in between the crevices of your driveway Underneath that little hill is an intricate system of, of narrow passageways, of storage units, uh, of incredible and in, intelligent design towards life. You know, uh, in the winter, they don't have a lot to choose from. So they work in the summertime to get stuff for the wintertime. When we go to summer students, it's like school's out for the summer. It's out. It's ready. It's time to play ball and to have pool parties and to have picnics. And while you're enjoying on the red, check, red and white checkered picnic table, you're enjoying, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the hamburger and the flavor ice, the ant is at work. It's like, oh, I saw some Fritos. I saw some Lay's potato chips. And like, it's time to go. Oh, man, Kevin is going to be thrilled. Kevin's going to be like, where'd you get that chip, dude? He's like, I found it over there in the park. You didn't know ants call each other Kevin? Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. So ants, ants are so, so ready to do whatever it takes. So what's the lesson that's exceedingly wise? That's so simple that you can overlook. You're looking for theological, you know, uh, uh, anomalies over here. And God's trying to show us, you need to prepare yourself. You need to be prepared. You cannot expect someone else to do the preparation for you. You have to prepare yourself. Prepare yourself for life. Prepare yourself for emotions. Prepare yourself for the rocky times, not just the good times. I, I, I uh, joined man and woman in holy matrimony yesterday afternoon in a, in a home in Brook Hollow. And uh, they... they they were in a beautiful little tiny intimate ceremony. And talking with them, they said, you know, we've, we've really never had a fight. They need to prepare themselves, baby. Prepare themselves. Prepare themselves. You got to prepare yourselves. Husbands, wives, how are you preparing yourself um, in relation to the good times in marriage and the rocky times? You have to be prepared. You don't wait for the thing to fall apart to figure out how are we going to fight well? How are we going to disagree well. Prepare yourself. Prepare. Students, what are you doing to prepare yourself 
for the future, to know the realities that are going to be facing you when you step outside of, of high school, when you step from junior high into high school. What are you doing to prepare yourself? Pastor Seth is in this incredible series on Wednesday nights, parents, called Gains. And it's all about spiritual gains. It's, it's about making gains in our life. And they've got this 21-day Bible uh, reading, devotions. You need to be a part of that. Your students need to be a part of that. What are you doing to prepare them? We want to help be the best partner uh, you could ask for in preparing your students. We've got to be prepared. But you know what? The enemy of preparation, enemy of preparation is procrastination. We just love to wait till the last minute, some people do, huh? How many, how many of you, 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 you tend to procrastinate? Stop, don't raise your hand. Because you're going to have to think about it, and once I'm done, then you're going to raise your hand. You're, you're going to procrastinate on it. I don't know, am I? Okay, you know. So, the enemy to preparation is procrastinating. You would think that we would have gotten that out of the human race by now, just, just because how much danger it brings to us, just kind of waiting. And the Bible talks real clear about procrastination that can lead into being a sluggard, a, a, someone who's lazy. Look at these scriptures, pretty clear in Proverbs 20. Sluggard, someone lazy, doesn't, they don't plow in season. They just want to have fun. So harvest time, they look, but they find nothing. You got to prepare yourself in the right season. The ants don't wait, wait for it to get cold. They wait for the right time. And they're prepared. The soul of the slugger craves and gets nothing. Oh, I wish I could have that. But then they don't do anything about it. Oh, I wish, I mean, I want to accomplish big dreams. Well, what are you doing? I don't know. I just figure it's going to come to me. While the soul of the diligent is richly supplied, there is beautiful rewards in being Diligent. It's a character trait. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor, nor starve to death. Just like a door swings on its hinges, Proverbs 26, 14, so does a sluggard on his bed. See, someone lazy may spend a lot of time in the bed, but they're not going to get rest with that. You're really not going to find true rest in laziness. Now, I would never accuse any of you of being lazy, but can I tell you, you can secretly show up, just consistently not on time to work, consistently not getting stuff done. As Christ followers, we take on the heart of Christ. We take on the attitude of Christ. We ought to have character traits that represent Christ well. And as employees, you ought to represent Jesus very well. Procrastination in the report procrastination in this getting done. I'm not speaking from the throne of perfection. I'm speaking from experience. Speaking from experience. We don't want to let procrastination become a character trait in the church. You know, we procrastinate on some stuff as a church. We should have been talking about major hot topic issues 20 years ago, and we weren't. We, we, we ought to have been, you know, affecting change for, for generations, and, and, and there's been times we procrastinated on that. We've got to be preparing the next generation that's going into a new world that I didn't grow up in and you didn't grow up in, everybody. Are you listening to me? We've got to be prepared. Be prepared. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding the hands to rest. Doesn't that sound like a good deal? And poverty will come on you like a thief. Pounce on you like a puma. Scarcity like an armed bandit, the King James says. It's like... Stick them up. The Hamburglar's in your house. Hamburglar? Where did that come from? That's not very intimidating. I think an armed man is a lot better than a Hamburglar. You got to prepare yourself. Number two, consider the rock badger. What's a rock badger? What's a coney? Well, what's a coney? It's a hyrax, you know. <laughs> yeah, what is this thing? Well, here's what it looks like. Oh, <laughs> rock badger. Oh, rock badger, I want one. <laughs> Reminds me of uh, Chippendales, res Rescue Rangers. Not Chippendales, the other thing. Chippendales Rescue, Ra <laughs> Chippendales Rescue Rangers was a cartoon, everybody, okay? Didn't remind me of Patrick Swayze and Chris Farley. Reminded me of <laughs> Rescue Rangers. Now, that may look cute, but you, uh, you get a, uh, a rock badger in a corner... You don't want to mess with a rock badger. Hi, cuddle. You took my food. <laughs> this is Janet halfway through the day. 
early in the morning if I turn on the light. Ah! <laughs> oh, I love you, sweetie. Have a wonderful time. I told you to go pick up the kids and you didn't know it. Hey, sweetie, sermon's going to be awesome today. I can't believe you did that in service today. <laughs> hey, babe, the kids are in bed. <laughs> All right, shut up. Here we go. <laughs> the rock badgers, they're not, they're defenseless creatures. They got some nasty teeth, but they're not going to be no comparison to the leopard or the lion. They're not going to be comparison to the hyena. And so they're feeble. They're weak. They don't have strength. They can't climb that tree with one paw. So what do they have to do? They have to protect themselves. They hide within the crags of the rocks with within the crevices in the rocks they're able they're tiny they squeeze in and you can't get at them because they're wise to protect themselves you are more of a rock badger than you are a lion everybody and you're prouncing around like nothing can intimidate you nothing can hurt you you just gonna live your life you are a rock badger and you need to see yourself serving the lion of the tribe of Judah. And you have to see yourself as not the lion, but the one who relies on the lion. And you need to find yourself in the rocks. He is the solid rock. He is the foundation. He is the refuge. You have to protect yourself. Parents, protect the eyes of your children. Protect their little minds, their little eyes, their little ears. Protect them. We simply are living in a day and age where you cannot, you cannot take for granted the importance of protecting your children. Everything on the internet, everything in society, I mean, with a, with a click of a button on your smartphone in the backseat of the car, they can be exposed to something in a matter of moments that can turn on emotions that just rush in immediately. Questions, uh, inquisitive nature, searching for things then because they've seen something. I was in seventh grade coming out to the steps of Paola Middle School. I've said it before, PMS, Paola Middle School, band, PMS, on the band shirts. I'm sitting on the steps. Somebody was not exceedingly wise when they said, hey, look at these band uniforms. Um, sitting on the steps and a guy named Josh comes across the street with a duffel bag and he sits it down and says, check this out. And he pulls out a pornographic magazine. First time I'd ever seen something like that. It's shocking today that it took up until seventh grade because it's a lot earlier now, everybody. And it's not just in a magazine. It's right there in the hip pocket. It's on an iPad. And if I, if, if I press myself, I can remember 25 years ago what I saw in that duffel bag. Protect your children. Protect your marriage. Protect, put boundaries on some stuff. Have some open conversations about stuff. My dad embarrassed me so bad. He's just so embarrassing, but thank God for some embarrassing conversations. Every time he said, hey, let's go to Food for Less. We got to get some dinner rolls. I knew we're going to have a sex talk. <laughs> and we'd get into the minivan. We'd be driving. He said, hey, son, I want to talk to you about this or that or, you know, all the words that you don't think the pastor would say on a pulpit, that's every word he's saying. He's talking about it. Let's talk about this. He's talking about that. How you doing? What about, what about your eyes? Oh, thank God for my dad. Parents, have 
the conversation. When I was a youth pastor, every year we would do a little series on sexuality and sex before marriage. And, and two weeks before, though, we would send a letter out because uh, I feel like parents ought to be the primary educators of those things. Uh, we're just going to be a, a help and a partnership. And we would send it out saying, hey, we want you to know in these during this three-week series, we're talking about sex. And we want you to be privy of that to decide if this is, if you're, you're, child is ready for that conversation. If you haven't already talked to them, here's some keys on what you need to be talking about. And it would never fail. I'd always get a call from some parents say, I don't, I don't want my, my kid to show up. Well, one particular person, I don't know, we'll call him Jackie, because that was her name. And Jackie says, I don't want my son involved in that. Well, so we went in sixth grade. He was a sophomore. He was a sophomore in high school. And I said, Jackie, are you sure he's a sophomore? Like, well, I don't, we don't, I don't, I don't know. That's my husband and him. That's their deal. I said, well, have they talked about it? I don't know. My husband really doesn't like to talk about it. I said, well, 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 Jackie, can I tell you something? Your son's learning in the locker room. Your locker room is teaching your kid about sex right now. Te teaching them. Just, I mean, people lined up, false prophets known as teenage buddies are lined up in the cafeteria teaching our kids. Take the ownership, parent. Take the responsibility. If you say, I don't know where to go, partner with our youth pastor, partner with our children's pastor. We want to help you be the best resource you could find. Even right now, I'm doing new research on, on different topics because I know there are, there are topics that our parents in this church are struggling with figuring out how to talk about. Um, from sexuality, homosexuality, from, from premarital sex. I, I, I've ordered just recently some new resources and, and I, I want to be able to help our parents and help, help our families talk about tough issues instead of just turning a blind. We gotta protect ourselves and we gotta prepare ourselves. Are you still with me this morning? Don't just hear this and let it fall to the ground. Take some action now. Take some action. There, there's, there's filters that you can purchase online uh, for, for your phones, for your internet, for whatever. Take some action. Have a conversation. Um, but protect the eyes and the ears of your kids. Protect you. Husbands, protect yourself. Protect yourself. Don't be going into the break room just because Sally's in there. Okay, Sally's good looking, but protect yourself. There's no need to be in there. Protect yourself, moms. Protect yourself, spouses, wives. Okay? D -d 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 don't, don't find yourself looking back saying, what was I thinking? Protect yourself like the rock badger. Prepare yourself like the ant. A prudent person. This is a family scripture your family can memorize. This is a family scripture to memorize, everyone. A prudent person, a prudent teenager, a prudent kid, a wise kid foresees danger and takes precautions. But the simple keep going and suffers the consequences. If we could teach our kids early on, if we could learn early on, when you see a little orange light, when you see a little blinking light, danger, danger. Like, here's what you do. Go away. Take precautions or you're going to suffer the consequences. It just looks so appealing. That's dangerous, but man, it looks fun. Number three, consider the locust. Wow, we can learn lessons of God from locusts? The scriptures are so full. They're jam-packed of wisdom. Locusts, boy, they, they're not a very attractive. They're not like the rock badger, are they? Um, and this little locust can, can survive on, a, on just a little bit. Not very strong. You can, you can you know, smash a locust with, your, with the heel of your, your foot. They're annoying little insects, but you get them into a swarm and they can take down elephants. You, you get them into a swarm in ancient civilization, you could hear a swarm of locusts from miles away. You'd have to take cover. You have to leave everything behind because in a matter of days, they would eat up the village. There was no concrete. The, the, the thatch houses and the straw roofs be just sucked up by a swarm of locusts in a matter of days. Now, what's the positive lesson from this? What's the positive lesson of this swarm of locusts working together? They don't have a king. There's no authority, but they're with each other. They're each other. Partner with others. There's power in partnerships. There is so much power in partnerships. Partner with other people in your life. 
Listen, it's, we, don't, we don't do groups around here. We don't do starting point around here. We don't have very specific curriculum in our kid works just because, hey, hey y'all, why don't we do something? We, we are very strategic because we know we need to partner with others. You need to partner with us. If you're a guest in the church, you're dipping your toe in the water of the church. I, I invite you to partner with us. If, you, if, if, if you're not ready to do that, find a church you can partner with and give it all your heart, soul, and strength. But you need a partner in your life. The Bible says two are better than one because they've got a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. You know the guy who said, I've fallen and I can't get up. Nobody was partnering with him. Nobody had Urkel's back. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. So we, 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 when we fall, when someone's there, wow, there's beautiful strength. I need partners in my life. You need partners in your life that you can be real with, be vulnerable with, be open with. I've sat down at tables with people that have said these words. I'm so embarrassed to share with you what I'm about to share but if I don't share it, I'm afraid it's going to eat me up. And they share a struggle. And what I've said more than once, you know what? When you try and hold that inside, that kind of stuff grows in the darkness. It strengthens in the darkness. But when you, when you like the Bible says, confess your sins to one another, that you may be healed, we confess our sins to God for forgiveness. We confess to one another and we find healing because there's beautiful strength in partnerships. It's why we have groups on TimberCreekChurch.com. You can search today. There's a really cool search engine from looking at neighborhoods to cities to likes to men to women to marriage. And you can search all the different uh, 80 plus groups that we have available launching next Sunday. Um, if you are looking to understand what our church is about, next week we start a brand new four-week session of Starting Point. Every Sunday morning at 9.30, breakfast provided around roundtables. We have a blast. It's, it's a fun experience. To this afternoon, I'm going to have a lunch with all the people that graduated or went through Starting Point last month or just finished up Starting Point. And I, it's one of my most favorite, it's Jane and I, one of our very favorite events on our calendar because we get to uh, meet and hang out with new people in the church. I'm you if you're looking to connect to the church take the step and go to starting point dip your toe in the water and jump on in number four you still with me we're almost done here consider the spider consider the spider I don't know what prophet said it but they said it like this the itsy bitsy spider <laughs> went up the water spout down came the rain and out came the sun and and do you know what that itsy bitsy spider did went up the spout again some of us some of us you get washed out by the water spout huh you get washed out by the water spout you're like I ain't never doing that again I learned my lesson I'm Audi 5000 I'm done I'm gone. See ya. Bye, Felicia. Whatever. I don't even believe in water spouts anymore. I stay away from water spouts. I got treated wrong by a water spout. I don't do water spouts. But the itsy bitsy spider gave us a lesson that's critical for all of us. The itsy bitsy spider. I mean, weaving its web and it gets knocked down. What does it do? Builds another web. And the web gets knocked down, and what does it do? Those suckers, they're resilient. They build another web. It's like Charlotte, girl. You're killing it. <laughs> the lesson, persevere. Persevere. Life is a guarantee of obstacles, of tough hurdles, of brick walls, what might feel like glass ceilings. Life is full of challenge after challenge. And just like these young students and seasoned adults came down front and said, I want Jesus to be the Savior of my life today. 
they're going to walk out of here and things are going to be different, but obstacles are still going to exist. And the Bible says, you know what? You can learn wisdom when you can learn the power of perseverance. When life will wash you out, you can look at it, you can shake yourself off. You might learn a lesson or two, but do not stop. Don't give up. If the word perseverance doesn't do it for you, this morning I looked up a few other ways to say persevere. Let me give you some thoughts. When going gets tough, persist, continue, carry on. Go on, keep on, keep going, struggle on, hammer away, be determined, follow stuff through. Keep at it, press on, press ahead. Don't take no for an answer, be tenacious. Stand one's ground. Leave no stone unturned, unturned. go the distance, hang on, plug away, stick to your guns, persevere. The marriage is tough right now, persevere. The temptation is heavy. Stick to your guns. The drug is calling your name. Hang on. They said you weren't going to amount to anything. Persist. Press ahead. Don't take their word for an answer. Persevere. Persevere. Learn exceeding wisdom from the spider. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, we can rejoice too. We can rejoice too. What do we rejoice about? When we run into problems and trials. What? We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. Last time I ran into problems and trials, I just complained about it on Facebook. I can rejoice too? Yeah. For we know that they help us develop perseverance. You want to turbocharge your wisdom, go through trouble. See it, that it's a building block for your life. It's going to build perseverance. And perseverance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. What? This takes a turn now. Let's, let's look at what this says. And that confident hope of salvation, that does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. God's love was poured out. How was it poured out? By his son, Jesus. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Don't you see? Don't you see? that the cross he died for us when we were powerless and many times people cannot understand the cross because they don't see it from a place of powerlessness they're still living with pride and arrogance living their own life and there are two ways for you to get powerless Number one would be a trial, a tragedy, a hurt. And isn't it true that when people are at a low point in their life, they'll either curse God or they'll say, I need God because they're in a powerless moment. Well, be wise, prepare yourself, protect yourself, partner with others and persevere and you won't have to get to the trial and the tragedy to understand the power of the cross what those things do they humble us you want to get powerless humility is not being powerless but humility is is a place of of humble gentle strength that says it's not about me it's all about god and when you can have that kind of life it may even seem small, but it's wisdom. Think of Jesus himself, everybody. He didn't swing down from heaven in an angelic uh, robe. He wasn't laid in a golden bed in a palace made of emerald. He was born in the backwoods in a family that had kind of a questionable beginning. The, the, the mom had a questionable pregnancy. 
seemed powerless. His dad, like his dad wasn't like a magistrate, wasn't a governor of anything, wasn't a soldier. He just made cabinets. He just like, he's just a carpenter. And yet something so small out of the town of Bethlehem, exceeding wisdom because he humbled himself, became a servant. He showed us that he will go through everything you go through. He's not been through a pain that is less than the pain you've gone through. You will never go through all the pain that he went through. So because of that, he knows where you are. He knows what it feels like to struggle. He knows what it feels like to hurt. He knows what it feels like to not, to, 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 for, for, for to, be, to be intimidated in a moment because of his human nature. Even in the garden, oh God, take this cup from me. But he was prepared and he protected. And he strengthened himself in his father's name so that you could trust him in the tough times and in the good times. What's the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do in everything in your life? What's the wise thing? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll keep you on that slow and steady path to wisdom. But trust him. Let's pray. Would you close your eyes? If you're here today, and there's one of these areas that you know that you've got to be strengthened in, would you just raise a hand? I want to pray over you. You need preparation or protection or perseverance. What is it, right? My hand's up too because I need to continually uh, surrender to these realities in my own life. Jesus, I pray for every family, for every child, for every student, for every grandparent, for every struggling marriage, for every uh, topsy-turvy relationship, for every financial decision. May we learn that from what you've already shown us all throughout nature, your divine qualities reveal to us how to respond. And they show us that there's nothing like humbling ourselves before you, putting you first. That's the beginning. Trembling before you in a, in a wonderful, beautiful way, not in a scared way. That's the beginning of wisdom. And we ask, would you multiply wisdom in our lives? The same prayer that Solomon prayed to get wisdom, to gain understanding, we ask for our children's sake, for our, for our family's sake, for our marriage's sake, for our sake, for your sake and your kingdom's sake. May wisdom multiply through the men and the women and families of Timber Creek Church. In Jesus' name we pray.